All right, welcome back to the Buffalo Bread Podcast. We are approaching the week three matchup of the Bills slate. Uh, and I think that both of us are feeling quite a lot better after what the Bills were able to accomplish against the Raiders. Watching an AFC win in dominating fashion, 38-10. to 10. Um, And, you know, we can kind of start there if you'd like, Dan. How are you feeling? What's going on? I am feeling, I'm feeling better than I was after week one, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think there are some, some good things to take away from a win in week two that was needed, but also we have to acknowledge it was against maybe an inferior opponent. All those caveats aside, this early in the season, co great coaches all the time will tell you that the season goes in quarters and we are in the first quarter of our season. And with how short preseason is cut and how little starters play, we really need to keep in mind that the first four weeks are really about installing the offensive plan in real time with NFL game speed and the defensive plan in the same way. So while I think there was, while I think we benefited from playing an inferior opponent, I also think that there were a lot of positives to take away that the Bills can hopefully build on as their competition gets tougher. I don't think this commander's game is one that we should sleep on. Trap game is the the sense that I get from this. And then, of course, week four to close out the first quarter of the season, we've got a big divisional showdown against Miami. So I think there are some great things to take away from this game offensively and defensively. JJ, where do you want to start? Let's um, let's start by talking about the what the Bills were able to accomplish on offense, because I think that that was the that was the biggest question coming out of the Jets matchup is. You know, is or do we get Josh Allen or do we get Gosh Allen uh, turnover machine? So I think that, um, you know, I think that it's interesting because in post game comments, in interviews throughout the week, Josh Allen talks about this game like he like he it was a terrible it was a terrible performance. Like when you hear him talk about it, he has no juice or energy. He's like, yeah, you know, but worked within the system, took what the defense was giving me. Just you know, made sure to get completions and each we scored on seven of our eight um, possessions. If you you know don't count the kneel down um, ninth possession and like he talks, it's like he's got no energy or enthusiasm for the fact that they forced him to play within the system of the offense and he was amazing, right? Like he's he was incredible. He yeah, was incredible. But it's funny because that's just like I feel like it's so counter to his nature to propagate the ball down the field, play smart football. Not like break four tackles in the backfield, boot out all the way to the sideline, and then with one inch between his his shoe and the and the out of bounds marker, throw a ninety yard bomb across his body to Stefan Dick streaking down the left sideline. Like that's that's how he plays. That's where he gets his energy in the game of football, and that worries me so much because I would very much like my quarterback to come out this week and be like, yeah, um, the the system was great. I'm worked within it it was really fun to get out there with the guys and get a win like and there's some of that just kept listening to his comments i'm like oh no oh no no like he is somebody who sounded like he had been scolded into submission throughout the week and that he went out and he did exactly what they told him to do and he did not like it i know and it really does beg the question is this a is this game a step for a meaningful sustainable step forward for josh or was it like I need to get some credibility back so that I can start bombing out again. And so, I agree, man. If, I'm remind I'm reminded of the uh, the line in Heat when I think the classic heist movie with De Niro and Pacino and Michael Mann film, 
and goes the the action is the juice and i i worry that josh allen is that movie if you if you haven't seen the six hour long epic that is heist at this point in your life you know it came out like what 2001 oh no this was like a 90s movie i want to say this was like 98 99 maybe even 96 i don't know i gotta go look it up my my cinephile bona fides are being challenged right now i will google machine that later and put it in the show notes but um but yeah, but I, I also think, too, he showed that he can play within the system, and the system was important. And to be clear, I don't think what we saw is the entire system. There, You can see them installing pieces as they go. I think the deep game has to be a part of this, because Dorsey and McDermott are betting that if Josh can, for a sustainable amount of weeks, show this maturity and growth, and really dominate time of possession with these long, sustained, mistake-free drives, the defense is going to have to adjust because they're not going to want to lose a game It was by death by a thousand paper cuts. They're eventually going to have to make adjustments to, to address James Cook, both his running ability and his ability to catch out of the backfield. They're going to eventually have to play this, this 12 personnel that the Bills are rolling out there at a league high 50% of the time. They're eventually going to have to play that honest. We're still seeing a lot of nickel packages, a lot of um, DB heavy sets against the Bills, no matter what formation they're they're playing out of, because teams still don't believe that this is a group that can run or effectively pass out of that heavier 12 personnel package. But once they establish that, you're going to start to see defenses adjust in ways that'll open up the, the later portions of the field in ways that Allen, really only a few guys, Allen, Mahomes being a couple of them, I would put Hurts in that category, can really exploit effectively. So if I'm Dorsey and I'm McDermott, I'm saying this is step one. You're going to get to be ball out Josh sooner rather than later because there's no way that these defenses are going to want to surrender the amount of time of possession that they did if we continue to play within our game. Opportunities are going to appear. You just still need to preach the message of patience to Josh because he's going to get these opportunities as the offense continues to get installed later on into the season and as defenses adjust. So it it's still got to be patience. And they're going to need a scheme like this against what is going to be a much more formidable pass rush in Washington this week. Absolutely. I think that, you know, that's the thing is it's is that's the question that we ask this, at this stage of the season is can Josh Allen mature, be mature enough to understand the long game? Because he, you know, his efficiency was outstanding. He had over 80% completion percentage, and most of the balls that were incomplete weren't t- terrible choices. They were incomplete because they were the smart choice. He was throwing it away. He was throwing a you know, a ball that had 40% chance of being caught, but only by his guy. Like There was smart, calculated ball placement, um, which we don't often see in that level of consistency throughout a whole game. And he, you know, everyone's probably seen the stat by now, but Josh Allen at like 27 years old has five career games with 80% completions or better and three touchdown passes and he's the only player in NFL history to have before turns age 30 season so yeah not bad for a QB who coming out of college no one thought could complete a pass in the NFL it's not accurate yeah um best in the league and and best in history at that so it's just you know again this is the test is is he at that stage in his career where he understands that in order to get what he wants, which is the, the 90 yard bombs to Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis, he has to play this way so that until defenses need to clutter the passing lanes, come up and try to send extra pressure, 
come up and try to play man against all the short and tight receivers um, because that leaves a single high safety and then he has his chance and he has his boundary throws. He has his post throws if the safety cheats to one side. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I think that's that's a big question. I think you're absolutely right about the, the upcoming uh, game against the Washington Commanders. And I, I wanted to just like quick on the on the Bills Raiders game um, regarding that pass rush. I agree it's going to be a much bigger test this coming year. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we break down the the commanders. But the um, the offensive line did a great job, and what I what I think they did a great job at is individually their performances were better, but then also Dorsey and Aaron Cromer did a lot to scheme Max Crosby out of the. They won't be able to do that against the commanders there's too much talent there but what they did was they identified him as the only real significant threat that could beat a one-on-one matchup and they just never had a one-on-one matchup there were maybe three or four snaps that i remember watching seeing on the rewatch where spencer brown was left on an island against scrosby almost all of those were one or two step drop quick passing game plans where his job was just to delay the rush for a or two seconds if there was anything that was a three or five step drop um, that wasn't a screen or wasn't an underneath pass, it was chipping. It was James Cook sent to that side. It was um, the line protection shifting. So they would kind of leave, you know, leave James Cook on an island against the left end. And then everybody on the line would shift towards Crosby um, and make sure that an Osiris Torrance and Spencer Brown double was available there. And so it's like they, they planned for that. And that's, I like to see that, but again, it's kind of like we've talked about the Bills defense for so many years. You can do that against a subpar, you know, pass rush. You can do that against inferior opponents and you should do that against inferior opponents. That's how good teams win, right? Like advantage of the fact that you're just better than everybody and you scheme your yourself into optimal conditions. They won't be able to do that against the commanders. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Josh Allen has learned anything from this, this game. And if Ken Dorsey has any solutions, because this is probably the best defensive line they've seen since the Jets, maybe better than the Jets in, in terms of just the four. I agree. And until, you know, they're going to face some good D lines. I still hold that the, the Jets will be the best that they face all season. But the Pats have a strong defensive front. The Dolphins, I mean, they just keep finding guys that can rush, rush the passer. It's pretty unbelievable. Um, and then they're, they're going to play the Cowboys and they're going to play the Eagles, right? So, so you've got to figure it out now in the early stages of the season as this offensive identity is starting to form. But I do think we see the semblance of what they want this offensive identity to be, but it all rests on Josh's shoulders to take that next step in maturity and take what the defense is giving him until the defense plays a stronger hand, a more aggressive hand. And then we know Josh against the blitz, Josh against pressure. Uh, it's lights out, lights out for the opponent. You've just got to bait these defenses into coming out of that too high structure. Those opportunities are going to be there for him. And I agree with you on the offensive line play. The one thing I took away from this game that that didn't quite fit with what I was seeing via the eye test was Josh's time to throw. It was about 2.9 seconds. Now, there were several throws that he was getting out in under two, like 2.25 seconds. And then there were others where the routes were a little bit longer developing. And I went back and I watched some of the film and I will tell you, I think there was this internal conflict with Josh, like 2.9 seconds is good, but it's not like two levels who was getting out in week two. I think 
passes in almost two seconds flat. I think it was 2.03 seconds. Like we're never going to see that level of quickness and efficiency from Josh, but you could see the conflict because guys were coming open early in their routes. The issue was not these wide receivers getting separation. They were. It was Josh at times still looking for that kill shot and then ultimately checking it down to where he had safe, positive yardage that he could he could access, right? So if there was one thing I'd want to see continued improvement on from Josh, it's going to be that time to throw because they're going to be facing better defensive fronts, as we have said, where that quickness and reading the, the defense post-snap and identifying where your open windows are going to be is going to be essential in limiting the pass rush. In the past, Josh has been able to use his legs to mitigate a lot of pass rush issues from playing behind what has been a subpar def um, offensive line. Now it's going to have to be his decision-making and his point guard ability to spread the ball out. Outside of that, he did everything that we know is in the recipe for a Bills success, including distributing the ball to nine-plus pass catchers. Whenever I see Reggie Gilliam, Gilliam with a, a reception in the box score, I'm like, the Bills were cooking today, right? The Bills were cooking. And there are still guys like Hardy and Sherfield that have not been meaningfully integrated into this offense yet. Hardy, I think, just has a couple of short receptions um, for just over 20 yards total. And Sherfield hasn't caught a ball yet into week three. But he played 40% plus of the snaps against the Raiders. So again... There are things that you can see Dorsey and this offensive coaching staff building toward, and there's going to be more and more that they're going to fold into the game plan as Josh continues to mature and develop within this structure. So I think offensively, the Bills still have another gear that they can hit, and that should be exciting for us. I agree. I think that, you know, we haven't seen the the kind of peak of the iceberg of what this this team can do. Um and I do think that, you know, uh, James Cook got a, got a Madden, Madden ratings increase of three or four points this week for his performance over 100 yards. It's just so nice to see a Buffalo Bills running back. And I know Devin Singletary had some 100-yard games. It was always a 100-yard game for Devin Singletary on like 30 attempts. Like it's nice to see a running back who in James Cook's ilk or Cook's ilk is able to do you know, he had a 7.2 rushing average on 17 carries for 123 yards. Then he added an additional, you know, 36 yards on four catches. So it's just like he is a weapon. And I think that the Bills are um, really kind of leaning and using him. And I really appreciated it. I feel bad for him because I feel like the, the recipe all year long will be Damian Harris and Latavius Murray um, filching his, his goal line touches just because it makes more sense with those guys down there. He's not a big back, um, but it's it's great. It's great to see finally, I think we criticize the Bills for drafting three running backs in the top three rounds for three consecutive years, um, or almost three years, three out of four years. Uh, but I think we finally found one who is a, is a weapon and maybe you know qualifies and is capable of that draft, that draft privilege. So really excited about James Cook. That's a good thing, and I think that again, that's sort of part of the recipe as well is is to get him going. Um, if the teams start bringing you know eight in the box to defend against him, it's going to be another avenue for Josh Allen to hit the balls that he's most excited to hit. That's the dream scenario for yes. this offense, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, so you want to switch over to the defensive yeah. side of the Let's ball go. real quick. I'm a I'm a little I'm a little less 
less positive about the defensive performance. And it's going to start where I always tend to start. And you can say I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm going to continue to beat this dead horse until the day I die. So I broke my rule before recording this pod, and I actually listened to a lot of post-game uh, from some other podcasters, some other Bills aficionados out there. And I felt like at times I was being gaslit because I was led to believe, had I not watched the game and seen it with my own eyes, that that Bills pass rush was tremendously effective against Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> so I had to go back and I had to look at the stat line to confirm that indeed the Bills had zero sacks against an inferior offensive line opponent and only recorded two QB pressures and zero QB hits on the entire day. JJ, I think the defense has pieced it together over a couple of games as they continue to install their identity on defense, whatever that's going to be. So the same grace I give to the offense, I'm going to give to the defense. But through two games against inferior offensive lines and inferior offensive um, units, the Buffalo Bills defense, yes, has been Ben, don't break. They haven't given up a lot of points, but they've recorded a total of three sacks to start the season here in two weeks. For context, Montez Sweat of the Washington Commanders, who the Bills will be facing this week, has three sacks total himself on the season. He is he is out sacking the entire Bills defensive unit. JJ, is this pass rush this bad without Von Miller? Yes. Yeah, it, yes, right? Like, I mean, that is the answer. Yeah, it, it's... So here's the problem, and I feel like I've probably... You could probably go back and find a different pod, um, either when we were keeping the receipts or since we've started Buffalo Bread, where I said this exact next statement, which is the Buffalo Bills pass rush is weak because one player wins a matchup while everybody else loses theirs. That's the problem is that offenses are set up to accommodate one of their players getting beat. They usually have, you know, a, a running back in for protection on longer pass plays. They have chips. They have different kind of line shifts and things like that to protect the quarterback if one person loses their matchup. The problem with the Bills has been basically forever since we've long had the Jerry Hughes de debate about is pressure more important than sacks? Um, it's not. I'm, I'm coming around, sir. Thank uh, you. Because, Freaking thank you. Well, and, and the thing of it is, is like, that's the, that's the thing, though, is that the Buffalo Bills, you know, we saw against the Jets, they'd have two or three players breaking loose every snap, consistent. The biggest problem with the Bills is they have talented players, but none of them are consistent. Not one of them. I think Ed Oliver is having a magnificent season so far. He had he himself a day. He yes. can't do it alone. He actually was robbed of a, of a safety set. Jimmy Garoppolo intentionally grounded that ball. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't care who you are. Totally um, agree. That was, that was a missed call. That would have been a sack, but that still wouldn't have been enough for me to feel comfortable with this pass rush. But yeah, he's having a great, great career uh, year so far. If he can keep it up, he has eight pressures, a sack, and two QB hits in two games, which for an interior defensive lineman, I think is is tracking well. Correct. However, from the outside, I'm not seeing enough from Greg Rousseau. AJ Epineza is like basically ineffective other than that one tipped ball. Um, and you know, I'm really worried about Leonard Floyd because I think that when it comes to consistently providing some kind of pressure, he's been one of the better, he's been the probably the best edge rusher on the team. And he's hurt now. And he's hurt. So yeah, I think that until Von Miller comes back, we may have to deal with this is, you know, probably not the kind of pressure we we need from the front four. Uh, but thankfully, 
I, you know, have seen some incredible things from Terrell Bernard as a young player. He looked really good in that big run fits on heads up play. I mean, the thing that has been the complaint, you know, for years with Tremaine Edmonds was like the big play where, you know, sniffing out those big plays and opportunities. Do believe that Terrell Bernard uh, has shown a little bit in just that one game, small sample size, of course, that he has a little bit more of a Milano style nose for the big play. And that's exciting because if we had two Matt Milano caliber players in the middle of the defense, I don't mind that they're undersized. If they're both coverage, you know, experts who can also make some kind of big time toxic differential plays. So um, I liked what I saw from from the linebackers. I think the secondary was solid. And and just in general, the, uh, you know, the pass rush needs to be better. I agree completely, especially with what they've invested in that position. Craig Rousseau, first-round pick. A.J. Epinesa, second-round pick. Ed Oliver, top 15 pick. Uh, and then, you know, free agent dollars to Daquan Jones, um, Leonard Floyd, Von, massive money to Von Miller, who I know was injured. Not really his fault, but uh, can't wait to see him back. So expect more. Yeah, I agree. And again, the, the real test for this defensive unit, I think the commanders pose an interesting test yeah. for them. Because and and we'll get it we'll get more into this when we get into our pregame analysis. But McDermott against an Eric Bieniemy coached offense has been very very hit or miss, and very much so like a lot of the Chiefs offenses that Bieniemy coached that we have seen. This Commanders defense really likes to exploit the middle of the field. Sam Howell's got a great arm, but he can't necessarily hit the boundaries with a lot of consistency yet at this stage of his development. So kind of like the same way that the Dolphins are going to exploit the middle of the field, this Commander's game poses an interesting test for that Milano and Bernard um, linebacker unit because they're going to be, I think, highly tested in middle-of-the-field coverage at this point. And if you're going to play a team like that, the pass rush simply has to be better. That's really my only note about this defensive unit. The pass rush is not good. It's just not good. Um, I also don't think the run defense is good. I get it. I get it. They shut down Josh Jacobs, but they also shut down an inferior offensive line unit as well. It, there are going to be better tests of what they can do against properly outfitted run games. The Raiders simply just don't have one. So I get it. I've said for weeks now, and I'm going to stick with it, I don't think this rush defense is good, even though the numbers from week two would tell you that it was phenomenal, right? Yeah. First time since the 1970 merger, they've held an NFL rushing leader to negative yards. And like I and I know thank, that thank that, you for digging yes. thank you for twisting that knife. <laughs> so no, I'm just and I'm just saying, like you can have that opinion um because it's appropriate to question this run defense since McDermott and and pre-McDermott play calling Leslie Frazier have been in, in the lead of this defense, rush defense has been a problem. And they haven't necessarily improved rush defense by continually investing and drafting in undersized players, long lean players, and those sorts of things. Um, they really have not kind of doubled down on making a really solid front against the run because they have they are an undersized defense. They're a more, you know, finesse defense, and we've talked about this before. And so it does remain to be seen. Do think that what they showed um against Josh Jacobs was an excellent showing because they were sound fundamental fundamentally, they they filled the the gaps and lanes they had to. Um the Raiders offensive line is not the worst in the league. It's certainly not, not near the top 10 or 15, but it's definitely not the worst that they're going to face. 
And so I think that that's, that shows some favorable results because Josh, it's realistic. Josh Jacobs with a similar line was able to get an NFL rushing title last year, like happened. Um, and so their ability against that rush offense was solid. I think it'll be a little bit more of a challenge. Um, you know, this week, I think that Brian Robinson Jr. is a, is a really good back. Um, he's a much bigger back and stronger uh, than Josh Jacobs. And so I, I they're both loads, but I think that Brian Robinson might have a little bit more juice um, coming into his own. And he has a much better interior offensive line. Their tackles are very suspect for commanders, but interior offensive line is pretty. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you play a team like the Raiders, who basically try to run a version of a power gap scheme, they were playing right into the strength of this Buffalo Bills defense, which is Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver. And Oliver was just living in the backfield for a lot of these run plays. Um, I think more of a team, and again, Miami, who right now is leading leading our division, they run a lot of outside zone. So they're going to be running away with all of that speed from the strength of this defense. And I think that's going to be a real test for this rush defense. We've seen Raheem Mostert burn this, burn this Buffalo Bills defensive unit before. And I think McDaniel in Miami is really perfecting that outside zone run scheme to a point where you've got to bring in a Taron Johnson, or you've got to bring in your DBs to to help diagnose and stop the outside zone run game, which is going to open things up down the field. So I I did we'll get into it more when we talk about Miami. I know like a lot of Bills fans were like looking past Washington and we're we're getting into Miami territory. But again, I think the litmus test for where we stand after the first quarter really is going to be week four. But before we get to week four, JJ, we need to analyze what we have seen week two. All right. So if you are comfortable with it, I am signaling strongly that we are going to transition to the next topic. All right. I am comfortable with it. And I just have one request for this pop. Can the title of the pop be, is Josh Allen Tom Selleck from Heat? Oh, that's a good one. Yes. That's a good one. Oh, yes. my God. Just calling back yes. to that great reference in the first couple of minutes. So yes. yeah, let's let's move on. Let's talk about the commanders. Um, let's do, is it real or not real? And then let's, let's get out of here. Sounds good. Let's talk, let's start with, is it real or not real? Because everybody in the national media and everybody that has a microphone and a podcast, like we do, we try to draw these grand conclusions off limited data in two weeks of football in reality in an 18 week season is limited data at this point. All that being said, there are some things I think that we can potentially pick up on that could be real or not real. So, JJ, we're going to go through a couple of quick topics here. And after two weeks, we're going to discuss whether or not we think this is a real thing that you can book it as a trend for the Buffalo Bills, or is this something that is not real? And by the end of the season, we'll prove in the opposite of how it's going. All right. So let's start with Kair Elam. Again, back-to-back weeks, a healthy scratch for the Buffalo Bills. Um, JJ, real or not real? Kyer Elam will not see the field this season for the Buffalo Bills, barring injury. Uh, uh, real. I don't Damn. think that, I, I think don't, you're right. I don't think they trust him. I don't think I don't think that his and we've talked about this too. I don't think his natural talent overcomes his bad instincts in coverage, and that they're they're too worried that he's going to his awareness of time. Uh, time place on the field down in distance it it's gotten them into trouble just to, even in preseason and some of the some of the snaps last year um i thought he was really good in the playoffs but you know i don't think he's going to be on the field because the coaches are so much about trust that the players are not going to do the wrong thing 
and that might be the wrong like actually believe that Kyrie Elam would get much better just with more snaps or repetitions um but they're able to lean into their safety blanket which is like you know it's it's Christian Benford who has been a really excellent find for a sixth rounder um and it, you know the second coming of Levi Wallace basically uh, and so they're they're gonna kind of stick there I think um until he proves them wrong and they're forced to go to Elam and that, that might be the wrong call how about you no I agree I think the the Bills the Bills coaching staff was really telegraphing this going all the way back to last season when many of us forget Benford got the start to start the season over Elam um, when Trey White was still recovering from his ACL injury and you had Dane Jackson as the primary outside corner. So the Bills have been telegraphing this for some bit. They just they just like they just like Benford's fit in this defensive scheme better. And again, it's only two weeks in, but I don't know about you, but I've watched some game tape. I've gone back and watched highlights. I do not see a whole like wide berth of difference between what Frazier was doing and what McDermott is doing. The Buffalo Bills are blitzing at one of the lowest rates in the league, which is I think 29th right now in the league is their the the status that their blitz rate occupies, which is very Leslie Frazier like. We haven't seen a lot of exotic packages. We haven't really seen them use a lot of that cover three with wrap that we were talking about. And again, this is stuff mm-hmm. that could be coming. Like what's clear is the Bills put a lot of stuff on tape early in the season last season. And you could see, even despite Josh's injury, teams changing the way they game plan. Now it feels like this coaching staff is trying to do less of that. They're running still some really vanilla concepts Mm -hmm. and they're asking their players to execute offensively and defensively. So I wonder if like offensively, where I believe the best is yet to come, I wonder if defensively, McDermott is just trying to keep stuff off off of game tape to give him his team the advantage when they do play teams like Miami and the Jets come around again and the Patriots. So so thus far, if you're going to run a Leslie Frazier defense, Benford is the perfect guy for that. If, if there is an opportunity for this defense to change up its identity on a game-to-game basis, I think then maybe you see Elam come in because you're going to play Travis Kelsey, right? And you draft a guy like Elam specifically to shadow and shut down guys like Travis Kelsey. Kelsey, who puts his hands on guys at a a very high rate. Like you get a guy like Elam to battle back within that five-yard box before that you've got a break for the route, right? I believe that if this is the... So I want to caveat this to summarize. If this Bill's defense is what it is through two weeks, it's going to be that way through week 18, then yes, I don't think we see Elam take the field barring injury. But I believe, and maybe I'm giving this coaching staff too much credit, but I believe there are other wrinkles to this defense that we are going to see. And I believe that Elam will have some situational efficacy like he did last year. And so if we are actually going to see a true McDermott defense and not a replication of the Leslie Frazier defense, then I think Elam gets on the field. But if this, if this defense is what it is, then I agree with you. They just don't trust him. I think that's true. And I think that just a one note on the defense before we move on to the next reel and not reel. Um, the Bills have had an incredibly high rate of simulated pressure, which is a difference from the Frazier um, regime. Sean McDermott has been doing a lot more, putting five or six guys on the line of scrimmage, pre-snap, sending four 
So it's not an actual blitz because they're only sending four, but the four changes. And so that is one notable difference I've seen. And I, again, it hasn't resulted in sacks. I think it has helped with confusion for the quarterback in terms of shifting protection and trying to figure out where their hot read is. Um, I have noticed that, and I think it's an improvement. The simulated pressure, the, the old sugar the egg moves. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I texted you about that too. Yeah. Like it's nice to see McDermott kind of giving different looks in the box and and having pressure come from different areas. Yeah, absolutely. That's been a a nice little additional wrinkle. But it's a very small wrinkle. It's a very. Small, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. it's not it's a, a big it, change. It's a very, that's not going to be Miami wrinkle. Yes, you know what no. I mean? And that's just what we're talking about. So, all right, moving on next. And we've talked about this, so let's just cement our opinions now for the take universe. JJ, real or not real, the Buffalo Bills run defense is good. I think that is real. The way that oh you said it to God. me for show okay. notes was the <laughs> run defense is bad, so you almost trapped me into being like, not real. Yeah, no, I, I think I think <laughs> that, that, that was the, intentional. Yeah. I think that the Bills run defense is good. I think that they showed they showed a lot against J- Josh Jacobs for me. And I know that, that, again, that offensive line is not elite, but it's also not terrible. Um, and that is the NFL rushing leader from last year. So I think that they are good. I think that um, as long as you have Rousseau, Ed Oliver, and Daquan Jones, and then insert whatever other defensive line, you know, defensive end you want, as long as you have those core three on the field, I think that they will, they'll probably not get gash. It's the snaps where they're rotated out to get fresh legs in that I really worried. So I think they're good, but I'm only talking about the starting preferred defensive line. Okay. Um, I'm going to say bad, but I'm going to be generous with how bad I think it actually is. So I think like a lot of defenses that play the style the Buffalo Bills do, it's really, really good in a floor raiser against bad teams. So I think bad rushing units, absolutely, the Buffalo Bills are going to have some some advantageous matchup matchups against. It's the teams that are more effective, that have better offensive lines, that have better run schemes that I think they're going to have a problem with. So, and, and and that might seem self-evident. Well, yeah, of course, like as teams get better, this Buffalo Bills defense is going to struggle. But I think more and more, we have not seen yet the best of the New England Patriots run game because that offensive line isn't healthy. Even when healthy, it's not a good pass pro offensive line, but it's a really good run blocking offensive line. And Bill O'Brien is just chomping at the bit when that O-line gets healthy to use Stevenson a little bit more effectively. We have seen Miami through two games really try to establish their run game. They didn't do it in a great way against against the Chargers, and they had to rely on Tua chucking it up 50 times. But they found a new way to win without Tua playing his best game against New England. Teams like that, and then the Jets, of course, like Brees Hall has gashed this this defense before. I think like we have talked about with the pass offense, or with the pass defense, when it matters against really good teams, this Buffalo Bills defense needs to step up and shut down the run because more teams are trying to dominate ball control and win that way just within the division. So when I look at the divisional matchups, I see this Buffalo Bills run defense as problematic. We've seen them scheme to shut down guys like Derrick Henry and have great one-game performances, but we have not seen this run defense under McDermott consistently, game by game, shut down the opposing team's rushing offense. 
So I'm going to say it's bad because I think not a personnel thing. I just think there are bad matchups within the division that are going to really exploit this Buffalo Bills rush defense and how just tiny this defense is. I think I'm worried about that too. But for now, I, from just what I've seen, I think they're a good run defense when the starters are on the field. I know. And listen, I'm the numbers guy, and I know that I'm going against the numbers, yes. and I will, I will absolutely own that. I'm going off gut and eye test, which I always rail on people for. But until they can do it, I, listen, week four is going to be my litmus test for so many things about this Bills defense. If they can do it week four, I'll start to believe. But until they do it against a really good premium rushing offense, I'm, I'm not sold. I'm not sold. Next. All right. Real or not real? We have seen two very different versions of Josh. We have seen Josh Allen turnover machine, and we have seen Josh Al Allen expert game manager in back-to-back -back weeks. JJ, which one is real? Josh the turnover machine or Josh the game manager? Um, you're going to hate this both. I think he is both of those people, and if I had to choose one, I think he's the turnover machine. I do think it, because like I said, kind of when we opened the pod, um, I think that Game manager Josh is a, it's it's him putting on like an act. It's him playing a role, um, and it's it's maybe not the most comfortable thing for him. It's not natural. Um, he's capable of it. That's why both is the answer. Is he can be both. I think his natural state is turnover Josh, and I think he has to fight his his more basal instincts in order to to be game manager Josh. And so, if I had to choose, I'd say turnover Josh. But I think he's capable of being game manager Josh. The really lethal best QB in the league, Josh Allen, who can bring a Lombardi trophy back to Buffalo, is when he knows or when he can switch between those modes, will, without the influence of the opponent deciding for it. When he can decide when to like unleash Superman Josh with great effect, and, and then when he can switch back into game manager Josh, and that's what we haven't seen in his, I mean, in his young career, he's been in the league for a bit now. But he tends to be one way, one extreme or the other. He doesn't didn't play a game where he has the ability to like plod down the field, take what the defense gives him, and then just like uncork an amazing one. Except for the one playoff game against the Patriots we were at, uh, and that you know that that's few and far between. That's probably the perfect game. So until he has that capacity, I think he's turnover Josh. That Pats game in minus six degrees Fahrenheit, um, that wild card playoff game, that that was a mythical performance. Yes. That that whole game from Josh. Um and, and Josh was just his average depth of target was just crazy in that game. That but that game it's it's not a one-off, but it is a game that only a few guys have the physical ability to do. And there was actually a really great article that I read heading into this pod in The Athletic from, I think it was Matthew Fairburn, um, or it might have been Graham, I can't remember which one, where they talked to three former coaches and offensive coordinators about what it's like to coach someone as athletically gifted as Josh Allen. And the hardest part is Josh knows what he can do. He doesn't feel like he has any physical limitations on the field whatsoever but it is helping him to understand when to apply those tools. So my answer to this is, is he turnover machine or is he game manager, Josh? I kind of agree and I take the cop out because I think he's both. I think what we're going to see throughout the course of the season as this offense continues to evolve in Dorsey's second year is we're going to see Josh do what is asked of him. 
But the reality is, is as deep as this, this roster is, and it's an expensive roster too. It's the most expensive roster in the NFL. The reality is, is they're still going to need Josh to do Josh things to win some of these big games, right? You cannot simultaneously take the guy who almost single-handedly brought you back two years ago against Tampa Bay with his legs and his arm and say, stop doing that. I don't think that should be in the mix or should be in the formula. But I think what's going to happen is Josh is going to figure out how to manage his bandwidth better. And he's going to have a better sense as he matures about when he needs to go YOLO Josh and when he needs to be dink and dunk Josh. And I think that that maturation and that progression, um, until it's fully formed, we're going to get both. We're going to have games where Josh is going to turn it over twice. And then we're going to have games like this where Josh is like 80% completion rate and we're dominating two thirds of time of possession. And as the defense continues to form early in the season, we're going to need more game manager, Josh, because time of possession is really going to matter against some of these quick strike offenses they're going to be facing. So, yeah. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be both. All right. Last. And we've already kind of alluded to this, the Bills pass rush. So the Buffalo Bills did a good job getting pressure, whatever your advanced analytics definition of pressure is on Jimmy G, but they failed to bring him down. Much like the days of one Jerry Hughes, JJ real or not real, the Bills pass rushes back to pressure means more than sacks. Pressure means more than sacks is what team says when they suck at sack. That's it. Like that's that's we suck at it. Yeah, we're really bad at it. Like that's and that's the thing. Like it's it's basically you know it's such like oh if you can't do teach like that's it's like a statement that's made by a loser. Um, and so that's how I feel about it. I think it's true because I think that that's something that, you know, Frazier talked about, McDermott talked about, but it, it always sounded like just such a cop out for this. We're bad at sacking the quarterback. And so we're just going to say that pressure is more important. And I get it. I get that pressure causes uh, quarterbacks to make poor choices. The Bills defense is year over year, one of the top rated units in the league. And there's value in that. But it's, it just, I think it just, they would much prefer the down ending play, the loss of yardage, the possible fumbles that come from QB sacks and hits um, over just the pressure influence on their defense. Um, I do also think, you know, if you look at it from a schematic standpoint, that this defense actually plays more for pressure than sacks because you can see their fundamentals are to rush wildly in whichever lane they can find that they're coached to stay in their lanes to, minimize to squeeze rush to make sure that the quarterback doesn't have easy outs or escape routes and so i think that they're coached to to provide or to supply pressure more than individual statistics and stacks um and so yes absolutely it's real that that that's their approach um but i think they would also prefer it more if if they did that and like the jets offensive line does the same the jets did a great job of giving josh allen easy running lanes or looping or stunting to make sure that when he when they showed him a rushing lane, he tried to go through it and was brought down immediately. Like that's that's how you do that and get sacks. And so they, they don't have the talent to to get pressure and sacks. Um, so they do, you know, and they play within their lanes and they get pressure and it makes me sad. I know it's because it's another floor raising yep. strategy. Yes, but when you play Cincinnati. And you're asking those DBs to maintain their coverage for extended periods of time because the defensive line is playing within their scheme. 
we've seen it lead to absolute abject heartbreak in the postseason and late in the season. So teams like Miami, teams like Cincinnati, I, I honestly I would even argue a team like Philly, who is on the schedule for later in the season. Those teams with the speed that they have on the outside are really going to test what is a, at both points an aging and slow secondary and a and with some young components that are still getting their sea legs under them. So I agree with you. This uh, this defense, it's clear that they value pressure more than sacks, but I think that is a recipe ultimately for failure as we play more elite competition, for sure. So speaking of competition, the Bills have another 1 o'clock game this Sunday, uh, 1 p.m. at Washington against one Washington Commanders unit coached by Ron Rivera and now offensively coordinated by one Eric Bieniemy, who is someone we are very familiar with on this pod. So, JJ, where do you want to start this pregame analysis? You want to start on the offensive side of the ball for the Bills or the defensive side of the ball for the Bills? Let's start on the defensive side of the ball because I want to talk about Sam Howell and the, the Washington Commanders offense to start things off. And I think that the only place we can start when we talk about the Bills defense versus Washington Commanders offense is how much Eric Bieniemy loves Matt Milano. I don't know if, if people out there caught it, but Eric Bieniemy during his press time uh, was asked about the Bills' defense, and he just like started talking about Matt Milano. And at first, it was like, "Oh, this is nice coach praise and kudos for a guy who um, he respects as a as an opponent." And then it got into this place where I was like, "I am starting to feel sort of uncomfortable. My palms are sweating. I'm, I'm worried. I bet you Matt Milano is blushing somewhere." It got awkward. What uh, I mean, the point stands: Matt Milano is amazing. We all love him. Um, after he made that ridiculous interception against Josh Jacobs, I texted my Bills group friend, you know, that, you know, I wanted to be a future ex-Mrs. Mrs. Milano. Um, you know, that's neither here nor there. So what the, what, what is happening on this spot? Right? I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, I'm weird. Um, <laughs> so the Bills defense against, so Sam Howell, you mentioned he does not throw outside the numbers very well. He throws across the middle of the field with good accuracy. He's got actually an amazing arm. His arm being, is incredible. He's like a shorter QB. He was a fifth round pick. Um, he came from a system in North Carolina or UNC that was like the most simplified offensive system. It's the same one that Dawson came out of. So it's taken him a little bit of time to get into the NFL and and play. And this is a very complex system that he has with Eric Bieniemy. But I think Eric Bieniemy is a perfect kind of OC to get the best out of Sam Howell. Uh, and so I see some challenges in coverage. They have amazing, talented receivers. They have Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, who's kind of something going on with turf toe, so he's not been 100%, but still playing. Um, and then Curtis Samuel. So their, their weapons are there. Samuel is an excellent quarterback at timed, layered throws to very specific parts of the field. He also has those rookie problems, and this is a part that I, I like, you know, in the Bills versus the the Washington Commanders, is how successful Sean McDermott and, you know, before that Leslie Frazier's defense has been against um, against rook, rookie and young quarterbacks. So I, I expect them to give him some looks that are confusing to him. He's taken 10 sacks through two weeks, and so they're with their tackles being the weakest part of their offensive line, if the Bills pass rush doesn't show up in forms of a Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, Floyd if he pay, plays, A.J. Epineza, Shaq Lawson, like somebody should be getting sacks from the edge in this, based on their their tackles. So I just kind of spit a lot out there. 
Um, we mentioned before Brian Robinson being a good um, running back out of Florida State. He's a he's a large bruising. Back. He's got some juice to him too. So there's a lot of challenges with this offense. Um, but the offense for the Commanders is also pretty inconsistent. And I think that you see the enemy scheme with without Patrick Mahomes leaves some things to be desired because he tries to plan and and scheme for like open, easy over the middle yard after catch passes. And without Patrick Mahomes, some of that stuff just isn't connecting. And so I see the Bills having some opportunities here, um, certainly for sacks, but also for um, for interceptions. But I think it all really stems from the first step to be successful. They have to shut down this rushing attack because if they get um, Brian Robinson going, Sam Howell has one of the lowest uh, play action kind of rates in the league. And I think that's because he is a young quarterback and turning his back to the defense kind of might mess up his look at what they're trying to play him. So um, that that's something they need to worry about, but they do need to shut down the run. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think through two weeks, which is a limited sample size, but through two weeks, this Washington offense looks from a metric standpoint, very similar to what the KC offense was that Biennemi coached up. So they're passing at about a 62% rate on their play calls and only rushing at a 38% rate. But you mentioned needing to shut down the run game, and that is important because what this Washington Commanders team has been the best at so far this season beyond any other team is rushing for touchdowns or first downs on 18 of their 51 rushing attempts this season has either gone for a first down or a touchdown, which is the highest clip in the league. So this is a team that doesn't run the ball with great regularity, but when it picks its spots, it is doing so with surgical like efficacy. And this is something that is really going to test the bills if they're sitting on their heels, guarding the middle of the field and expecting the pass. So now and again, it's only two weeks, but Howell, like we have said, he is not testing outside the numbers at a very high rate right now. About 70 of his passes have been inside the numbers of the middle part of the field. That's not to say that it's not necessarily in the game plan, but where Howell is in his development, he's not really testing the boundaries at this point. So this really should be a game where the Buffalo Bills, and honestly, it's going to be good, good practice for Miami as well. This really should be a game where Buffalo can crowd passing lanes in the middle of the field, hopefully get pressure and sacks with just four guys and drop seven and crowd all of these passing lanes because Howell is hanging on to the ball. Um, his average time to throw right now, I think, is about 2.88 seconds. So he's holding on to the ball like young developing QBs do, looking for things that aren't developing more quickly. The Bills can really take advantage of that. And if the offense can do what it did last game, the offense plays into the defensive game plan and that you're going to take away the run pretty quickly if Buffalo can get a couple of scores early and go up and force this Washington Commanders offense out of its game plan. Because it is a team that doesn't run a lot, but when they do, they definitely make sure that it counts. And that's that's a enemy, you know, it's it's less, you know, um, it was a Chiefs, that's a enemy because he wasn't a play caller. But it was a Chiefs component of their their offense too. Pass first offense, but when they choose to run it, it was always the that one moment that you absolutely weren't expecting or wanting them to run, and they ran right up right up the gut, right, like and broke it open. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of challenge here. I think in a lot of ways, watching the the Raiders um, and Washington Commanders, these teams both 
kind of remind me of each other in a lot of ways on offense. Like, and I think the commanders are better. I think it's a ratchet up of de- of defensive skill, of course, and a little bit better offensive talent. But I'm not I'm not intimidated of the commanders' offense. I think that they're they're solid. They they showed some really good things against the Broncos. They showed some really good things about the Cardinals. That's the Broncos and the Cardinals. Um, and the continued sports rivalry of Russell Wilson and the end zone carries on for a new era, right? Like <laughs> he had open receivers running in wide open the end zone and he's throwing interceptions and stuff like that. So, you know, I think that it's interest. It'll be interesting to see this commander's offense against this bill's defense, because I don't think that they've played an elite defense yet. The bills will be their first elite defense. The Broncos are good. They're a very good defense and have been. But it's really hard to be good when you have nothing to count on with your offense. They came out and blew blew up the commanders for twenty one to three, and then fell off. And could not find another you know efficacy the rest of the. I agree, but this is also uh, for Washington. We've talked about litmus tests. This is a litmus test for yes. Washington and their home. No one is talking about them beyond the Cowboys and the Eagles. There are three 2-0 teams in that NFC East division right now, and the Commanders are one of them. They are, no doubt, when you read the press coming out of the D.C. metro area, they know this is a prove-it game for them, and I think this Buffalo Bills defense is going to get the absolute best shot from this Commanders offense. I think the spread on this game opened at 7.5, and and it's all, all the way down to 6, still favoring the Bills, but there is money going on the Commanders as more and more people are realizing that maybe this isn't a team that you should sleep on. Yeah. All right. You want to flip over to the bills offense versus the commander's defense? I sure do. So I I'll start. So I think that the Buffalo bills need to see Josh Allen be efficient game manager, Josh Allen again, because I think that the, the real weakness of this commander's defense is in the mid, their middle linebackers and kind of coverage from their slot. Um, they are a they're great in the middle of the field between the numbers in coverage, and I think that that's exactly where the Bills need to hit. I want this to be. I think Dawson Knox get, is a little dinged up right now with something, but I want this to be the Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid like show for this whole James Cook underneath catching passes, establish the run, get that going because I think the Washington Commanders have an excellent defensive line. First rounders across. I mean, it's Montez Sweat, um, Jonathan Allen. Deron Payne, Chase Young, all just excellent. And then behind them, their, their second-line defenders are also very solid. So, But the problem I think that they've seen that commanders propose is that their players are all excellent pass rushers and good run defenders. They're not excellent all around, and they tend to sometimes, especially Chase Young, I think this is the criticism that commanders fans would, would talk about, he tends to leave his fundamental rush lane um, in order to try to go for that personal glory that puts them in a rough spot and one of the things we've seen the bills offense be extremely good at just this last week is the draw play and i think james cook will have some opportunities in draw plays where josh allen you know drops back to pass and then hands it off to jake and james cook takes off um especially if they're out of position and and out of their rush lanes that's going to possibly give up some some big chunks of yardage so i think there's opportunities here i think the bills need to continue to be efficient don't think this is a game where the Bills need to go over the top, you know, multiple times because the strength of the Washington defense is, you know, I think they have solid safeties. Their safety depth is pretty good, and the talent back there is pretty good. They're 
safety depth and their pass rush make the over-the-top passes too long to develop and into the strength of their coverage. So really, I'd like to see the Buffalo Bills work the middle of the field, establish the run, continue to do some some draw plays. This might be a team that the Bills can, even though the Bills are bad at screen plays because everyone plays them in zone, I think this could be a team that the Bills hit with some screens because they have a vulnerability there. But what are your thoughts? No, I agree with you. And, and it's interesting that we went from the real and not real segment to this because I agree with you. I think there's some vulnerabilities for this Washington defense at the outside cornerback position, but the roof on this defense and the foundation, i.e. the safeties and the defensive line respectively, they are pretty solid. That hasn't played out in statistical metrics yet for this Washington defense, but I don't believe that's real because we're only two weeks in. But right now, Washington's best defensive personnel settings have actually done a good job of defending short passes. So passes that are within um, less than 10 yards downfield. They, they only allow completion rate close to 69% on those average type of air yard attempts, whereas the league average right now is about 73.9%. Um, sidebar, that's terrible. Can no one defend yeah. the short pass anymore? Like, right? Seriously. But when it comes to throws of 10 plus yards downfield, the vulnerabilities of the outside corner have really exposed their safeties to some some inopportune coverage schemes. We're only two weeks in. I agree with you. I don't think that's real, but it is worth noting that this Washington defense, as far as what they've put on tape so far, is that they are bad at defending the deep ball. I think this defensive front is going to show Josh some looks that may bait him a la, I think back to that weird Atlanta game that they played a couple mm, of years ago, yeah. right? Where AJ Terrell just like was abs an absolute master at baiting Allen into the throws he wanted to take. I think you're probably going to see a little bit of that from this defensive unit for Washington. Cause again, I don't think the numbers two weeks in are real for them. I think this is a, a team that can defend the deep ball, but the boundaries are going to be very, very vulnerable. So it's going to be interesting to see, like Josh again, and this is where that time to throw comes into play. 2.9 seconds in week two. It's going to be interesting to see if Josh can chop that down just a little bit because this is going to be a much better defensive front than what they played against Las Vegas. So I think key to success here is Josh needs to get the ball out quickly. He's got to force Washington into getting out of their comfort zone and then attack outside and downfield and expose some of those, the lack of depth at the outside corner position. So we'll see if he's got the patience to do it, but it'll be very interesting. I'll be interested to see how James Cook fares against this defensive front as well. It's not a great run-stopping unit, and there could be some opportunities for them there. Ultimately, I would like to see James Cook get over under 19 and a half touches, Dalton Kincaid with a red zone TD, and and Josh uh, Josh complete passes to seven or more receivers. <laughs> Consist is, Consistent from weeks one through three yes. here. But I think that's the recipe for success for this team. I think so too. And your prediction, you you nailed it on the you know the James Cook touches. Um, you nailed it on the Bills win if Josh Allen turns it over less than two times. Yep. Um, you completely whiffed on Jacobs runs rough shot all over the Bills. <laughs> like, dude, I'm just so gonna, strong. I'm 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 like a broken clock. I will the like two games where the Bills rush defense absolutely craps the battle. Be like, see, I told see? you, I told you. Yeah, you're gonna just point to those, even though the other. 15 games the Bills hold the opposing team under 50 yards rushing, you'd be like, yeah, but remember that one time? Hey, man, all anyone remembers is the last game that you played. Right. That's all I'm That's saying. Right. <laughs> so, 
Let's uh, let's do. I'm I'm good. If you want to do some predictions, sure to go wrong. I would love to do some predictions, sure to go wrong. Where do you want to start? I've got I've got some unique. I've got a couple okay. of interesting yeah. ones for this. But yeah, so g- give me yours. All right. So prediction number one: Ed Oliver over under half a sack. I'm back here. I'm back to this. Right. Okay. Ed Oliver to me is is just due to bring the quarterback yeah. down. And quite frankly. He is maybe the best pass rusher that the Buffalo this Buffalo Bills unit is rolling out there, especially we're recording this. We don't know what the injury report for Friday is going to be yet, but when you've got Leonard, who is showing up in the injury report as a do not practice, Terrell Bernard is, has been limited in practice. This is a, a bit of a dinged up defensive unit. I feel like they're going to need Oliver to absolutely play out of his mind. And to me, that's Oliver getting a sack. All right. I like it. Um, so you're going over. I'm going over. I I'm think going, Oliver gets a sack. Yeah, yeah. I'm going over too. All right. Do you have uh what's your next prediction? Uh my next prediction is um hang on. I'm pulling it up in my notes right now. All right. Let's see. James Cook over under half a touchdown. So will James Cook get his first touchdown? Um you're going over? I'm going under. You're going under. Yep. I think I think the Bills, have, and I think McDermott in particular, like when McDermott talks about that running back room, yeah. he loves some like these bigger guys yeah. that they have brought in. He loves Harris. He loves Murray. And I think for Cook, I think for Cook to really like be a factor in the scoring game, I think he's going to have to break one. Yeah. I just think McDermott loves the change of pace that Murray and and Harris bring in the red zone. And the red zone efficiency for this Bills team has been really good through two games because of those two guys. I just don't think Cook is going to get a lot of opportunities. So unless he breaks one, I'm going to go under because I think red zone is going to be Harris and Murray Murray's home. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right in that the he's not going to get a rushing touch from from inside 15 yards. No way. That he he's gonna he has to kind of make his own hay if he wants to down there. I think it's more likely that uh, Josh Allen gets his first rushing touchdown. Than this Ooh, spicy. I like it. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, do you have any others? Uh, those are the only two that I got. So what do you got? So I have uh, Trent Shurfield either gets two or more first downs or his or a touchdown this game. Wow. That's interesting because he has not caught a ball for this unit yet. That's why I think it's. You it's just think he's due. Well, and not even do because it's not even like he's gotten targets, right? But I think that that he, because of what they put on tape for the first two weeks, I think that the Washington Commanders, a good coached unit, is going to come in trying to shut down the, the pass pass route concepts that the Bills have shown to Diggs Davis, um, Diggs Davis and Kincaid. Really, like that's been their kind of bread and butter. I think they're going to try to shut that down. So I'd like to see Sherfield or Shakir get more looks this game as a you know if they put the focus on somebody else they need to step up for that third you know third receiver position um Deontay Hardy maybe gets some some wonky looks some some of those like bubble screens or end arounds or something it might happen but I think it's most likely that we see Sherfield show up because I think he's a good you know wide receiver he's a good third option in the in the game and I think if they're trying to establish the run and if Josh Allen is under center, which is something we haven't talked about yet, but I actually love that when he, he's under center more doing play action, those sorts of things. 
if they establish the run and Josh Allen has some play action snaps where Sherfield's on the field because he's one of the best run blockers in the wide receiver room, um, he may get looks because there's so much focus that I think the defense put to shutting down Diggs and Davis. I am old enough to remember uh, this past preseason when a lot of media were saying because of the absence of Diggs and the emotional turmoil that he was causing on the team in the preseason, that Trent Sherfield had really established himself as maybe Josh Allen's favorite target. Here we are three weeks in and Sherfield doesn't have a doesn't have a pass catch to his name. Right. And that listen, I love Sherfield. That's not a knock on Sherfield, right? But I think and we have seen this pretty consistently, with the exception of maybe Emmanuel Sanders is that when the Buffalo Bills bring in new pass catchers to this unit, again, the exception being Sanders, because him and Josh were, were great, um, it takes them a long time to get integrated into this offensive flow because Allen loves Diggs, Allen loves Davis, and he's developed a very quick chemistry with Kincaid, but we also haven't seen Kincaid really, um, really like targeted with any type of double-digit numbers at this point. I think he peaked last week where he had six targets and like five catchers or something like that. So I'm going to go on. I'm going to go under. I think Sherfield probably nets his first catch, but I think it's like a, I think it's for a little dink and dunk seven yard deal. Um, but I do think Sherfield's best is yet to come. And same thing with Hardy. I just, sure. I don't think this offense is a finished product yet. I just don't. I have Greg Rousseau over a half sack. Under. Under. I'm, I'm not even hesitating. Under. And I, I get it. These tackles for the commanders are their weak spot on the interior. They're a little bit stronger. I have seen against two subpar offensive line units, Greg Rousseau be less than Jerry Hughes, right? And this is a dude who he has been saying, GMs have been saying, like, I double-digit sacks. This is going to be the breakout season for Rousseau. And we just haven't seen it yet. And I think we're always going to look back on this this weird kind of COVID year draft where Rousseau and Basham went back to back, but you've got pass rushers that were taken in that class, like Phillips, Jalen Phillips, who is playing in Miami and was Rousseau's teammate in Miami, have just taken better steps to establish themselves as relevant pass rushers. And I think, JJ, you've said this on a multitude of occasions as well. Rousseau, while physically talented, he needs somebody to take the pressure off of him on the other side of the ball. He had it in Miami with Phillips. He had it to start the season last year with Miller. I think with Floyd, maybe not 100%, even if he plays in this game, I just don't think there is a reliable, stable counterpart on the other end of this defensive line that can take some of the pressure off Rousseau. And as a result, I think Rousseau this game is going to be in the pressure means more than sacks. I think he's going to get some pressure, but I yeah. don't think he's going to get home. Right. Okay. I just, I through two games and again, two really bad offensive line units, this whole bills pass rushes, pass rushes bad, but Rousseau in particular is really disappointed. As a uh, card carrying and Jersey owning Rousseau fan, uh, that really paints me to compare him to Jerry Hughes. I <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I think he gets over. I think that he shows up um, because he usually has one. You know, he usually has one game of the season where where he gets like he has a dominant performance. I think this might be it for him. Go over. Um, I think he gets a sack this this game, and I'm very hopeful of it. 
Uh, how about score predictions? You ready for those? I am ready for those. All right. So the as I mentioned, this game opened in some sports books at seven and a half favoring the Bills. That number is down to six. I actually, this is one of the few games where I think the Bills don't cover. I think this is going to be a sneaky, tough trap game for them. Hopefully Buffalo is not overlooking this game to week four in Miami because the Bills do not want to go back home one and two, staring down the barrel of one and three to end the first quarter of their season against Miami. So this feels like a game the Bills need to kind of keep pace in the division and keep pace in the conference. But I think it's going to be close because Washington, this is a prove-it game for them too. So my final score prediction here is going to be 28 to 20. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. I'm coughing for some reason. Um, 27-24, Bills. Yep. Ooh, you have it pretty close. So um, I, I, I have the same exact Bills score. Uh, for for the Bills, but I don't think that the Commanders get to 24. I think that the the Commanders get one last touchdown. I think it's 27-17. Okay. And I think for the majority of the game, it's 27-10. So um, you've got the Bills covering this. Yeah, game. I've got the Bills covering, and I also have the Bills controlling this game. I think that I don't think it's going to be 40, you know, 40 minutes, 20 minutes of of time of possession like last week. But I do think that they're going to kind of. They're going to have too much for this Washington Commanders defense to handle if Josh Allen is playing game manager, Josh, and they're getting the the ball out fast enough to completely neuter that pass rush. Um, and the, I just think the reason I have at 27-17 is I don't think that the Commanders offense is going to have enough enough of a counterpunch to the Buffalo Bills in coverage. I think the Buffalo Bills are one of the better teams in the NFL when it comes to coverage. Um, covering pass, and I think that they'll even if they don't have the pass rush, they will have the the coverage necessary to to shut down this um, this you know commander's offensive attack. Again, I just can't the statistics of a Sean McDermott off or defense against a rookie or young first year quarterback is so overwhelmingly positive for the Bills. That, you know, even if Ron Rivera has more familiarity and, and there's some other things and Eric Bieniemy has more familiarity um, with the way that the Bills play defense, I don't think that there's going to be enough success for Sam Howell against the Bills defense to to really, you know, vault the, the commanders in, into the position. I don't think the Bills are going to overlook this team because I do think that they got slapped across the face against the Jets. And so they are still in the humble and hungry mode. And again, Sam Howell, as a new, new quarterback in the league, I think will we'll struggle against the defense. All right. So you are taking Bills to cover, but you're taking the under on the points. Yes. I'm taking the Bills not to cover, but I'm taking the over on the points. Yep. All right. Yep. So you've got the under, I've got the over, and J.J., the other thing that is over is this podcast. So <laughs> you've been crushing the transitions, you know, dude, I'm telling you, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm bringing my a game this That's year with nice. these transitions. Good. So JJ, good potting with you as always. Bill's mafia. Thanks for listening. As always like share and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, drop us a review. And as always go bills. Bills. Cool.